The Fanfic Writers Craft is a podcast that discusses all things fanfiction with a focus on the art and science of writing for the enjoyment of fan communities. My name is Joe, aka Pebbly Send, and I'll be your host for the next hour or so. My co-host, Lani, writes online under the name Copper Dust. You'll meet her shortly. In this episode, we delve into the intricacies of world building in fan fiction. We begin by discussing our individual perspectives on world building and how our definition of the word itself has changed over time. We talk about the importance of detail in the worlds that we create and touch on the common mistakes we often see writers make in that realm. We also explore the inspiration behind world building and share examples of well-executed fics. We conclude with reflections on the dynamic of fix-it world building, a trend that is getting traction in fanfiction these days. We hope you enjoy, but for now, buckle up, get yourself a nice cup of tea, and welcome to the Fanfic Writers Craft. Hello and welcome to the Fanfic Writers Craft. This is Joe. I hope you're all doing well. Uh, it is November also the worst month of the year at least as far as I'm concerned but uh Lani and I are back at recording this week so how are you Lani what's been up we've both been super busy and we've put off this recording by I think like an another two weeks from when we were supposed to record because <laughs> each of us were just like too tired to exist <laughs> yeah. um yeah so it's it's been a busy time but I'm good and I disagree that November is the worst month of the year because I think it's February no but February is shorter though it's shorter because nobody could take it anymore. <laughs> no, but February. So February, as far as I'm concerned, there's skiing. So that like I, I ski. So that kind of gives me hope. And also it's just shorter. Whereas November, it's dark. And also in February, the days are getting longer. They are. However, in November, they're getting shorter, which is even worse. It's true, but in February, at least where I live, the weather is much worse than in November. Like, I can go outside and I can see the ground. It is not covered in 12 feet of snow. Also, February is report card month, which I realize doesn't mean a lot to you, but it means a lot to me. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, um, yeah, I think in Ireland, like, the weather is pretty similar, to be honest, in November and February. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, anyway... Um, <laughs> Moving on, today we thought we were going to do an episode on world building uh, in fan fiction, but also, you know, in fiction in general. This is a topic that I think is highly requested by a lot of people and, you know, something that a lot of writers both need to consider, but also might struggle with in trying to figure out where to start, like how to go about it and all that stuff. And it was also pretty highly requested in the poll that we did last year about um, what episodes you guys wanted. So uh, it is going to be great. And we're going to be talking about world building. Um, and I guess the first thing that we can kind of talk about this is um, what is world building? What do we understand by world building? Because I think there's a very specific sort of understanding that people have and it might actually not be that transparent. So what what do you think, Lani? Like for me, I usually think of world building as something that like fantasy and sci-fi authors do when they're creating their own like completely fictional universe. So I would say like the consummate world builders that I can think of would be someone like um, J.R.R. Tolkien or Ursula K. Le Guin or somebody of that nature. Mm. But um, Joe recently convinced me that world building can exist even in contemporary, like realistic or historical fiction. And I also recently 
had um, one of my favorite historical fiction authors I heard described as a great world builder. So I was like, oh, okay, historical fiction can be world building too. And then maybe even if you're writing in a contemporary realistic setting, maybe that can be world building as well. If you're really building out an entire universe from within the world of the characters that the real world doesn't directly give you. So I guess world building means fleshing out the setting and place and institutions and traditions of the place where your characters live in a way that goes beyond mm. simply imitating what you can see around you. Yeah, I agree. And and the thing is, like, it's not really me <laughs> that had this idea. It's more my readers, because... I think I used to have the same understanding as you did uh, in terms of world building. I always saw this as very sci-fi or fantasy oriented and, you know, building magic or building, you know, quests or something that is or, or even related to dystopia as well, like kind of building a dystopian world. But um, when I was writing castles, and especially in the early days, but even now, um, I got a lot of comments people from people saying oh you're 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 so good at world building like I really love I really love the world building in castles I really love the world building in your works and I was kind of like what are these people on about <laughs> because you know to me I wasn't doing world building I was just writing because that's just I wasn't doing any I'm not doing anything big in terms of magic or in terms of fantasy or anything like that castles is actually a lot closer to the real world than the works of JK Rowling are. And so I was just kind of thinking, why are people saying this? And then it kind of dawned on me that what people were saying by saying you're good at world building is actually that, like is actually kind of the way that Castles weaves in the Muggle and the Wizarding Worlds and the whole sort of political landscape that I built around the Wizarding World and the institutional landscape that I built around the Ministry of Magic. And, and that's what they were calling world building, which to me didn't feel sci-fi or fantasy related but actually does mean that you're building a world and I think the more that I think about that when you see a lot of advice on world building which is which are aimed at uh, writers who do do sci-fi and fantasy a lot of the questions that they're asking in those you know worksheets are stuff that you can ask yourself as well even if you're not doing sci-fi or fantasy you know you a lot of it it's like oh how do people get their money in your world and what are the um, signs of social status in the world and things like that which are actually not particularly only designed for that which can also very much apply to the real world of like okay what is the social status of these people like how do they move in and stuff so i think um i i, I think world building to me now is exactly what lani said which is kind of building the settings and bit building the sort of world that exists around your characters and that could be very big if you're doing dystopia or sci-fi it could be very small i mean if you're writing i don't know if you're writing like a book about doctors for instance your world building could be 
revolving around the hospital, like building the hospital, who is powerful in the hospital, like how does uh, surgery take place, like who, how do the surgeries get allocated, like all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I would think think also about tradition and ceremony. So for example, if we're going to continue the hospital metaphor, like how are they like hazing the incoming like new doctors or like how, yeah. um, what happens when a doctor is going to retire or what happens when mm. somebody does something significant for the first time like what sort of cultural rights do they have yeah definitely and i think you know that's kind of how i see world building now is i think a much broader exercise and i think it's something that most writers sort of need to work on at a different scale every time but yeah and so i guess what are the key elements that you consider when you're doing your world building well part of what i do is what i like to think of as like world restoration so it's like imagine a a painting comes to me but it's dirty it's discolored parts of it are chipped off and i have to fill in the blanks and i also have to clean up and and make it look new right so i i like to restore worlds that Mm -hmm. that did used to exist when i'm doing um historical fiction but then of course i'm also building and expanding on like the personal element. So for me, when it comes to world building or restoration, it's about getting the details right as much as it is getting the big things right. Because I think about how when you travel to a different country for the first time, even though there were things you already knew about that country before going there, there's always things that you didn't think of and couldn't have learned except by going there because nobody thought they were important enough to say. So, for example, um, I was watching an episode of Mad Men where they go to Italy and um, Betty and Mm -hmm. Don are in the hotel room, but there's sort of sounds coming in through the open balcony door. And I remember thinking, why does this really feel like they're in Europe? Like, there's something about this that feels very authentic to them being in Europe. And then I was like, oh, yeah, it's because that European sound is coming in. And then I thought to myself, like, what are you talking about? Like, what do you mean European sound? And finally, I realized it was the sound of like, you know, when you hear sirens, like from an ambulance or police car, like when I've been to Europe, they make there's like a different siren noise. That's like distinctly different from how sirens sound in North America. And, but all of this was like very subconscious that I was just like, yes, this is what a European hotel room sounds like. And it took me a long time to figure out that it was the siren that completely changed my like reaction to my sense of place, you know? So it's like a small detail, like the the way that sirens sound different in Europe can like trigger this completely different feeling, you know? So like for me, I, I really like to get... Um, into the weeds with the details. So for example, in one of my stories, which is set in the world of Harry Potter, but in which I try to sort of expand on the world building of Harry Potter, the idea is like flu powder is expensive. So if you go to somebody's personal home, they're going to give you flu powder for free because that's hospitality. But when you're out in public, people are not giving it out for free. So the idea is if you're using a public like fireplace, you can buy flu powder from like a coin operated dispenser where it's going to come out a little sort of spigot into your hand. Just because I was thinking like, okay, just because from what we've seen in Canon, they're usually using flu powder in like a private place. Like, 
that's not going to apply the same way as when you go out into a public place. Like if you're at someone's house and they offer to drive you, they're not going to charge you money. But if you're in public and you want to take a taxi, like they are going to charge you money, right? So it's just something like that. And another thing I thought of was like, if everybody in a society is a wizard or witch and they all have wands and you need your wand on you all the time, like wouldn't it be logical that like clothing has like a special like long narrow pocket sewn in to hold the wand? Like, why wouldn't Wizarding Clothing have that special wand pocket sewn in the same way that you buy a backpack now and there's like a padded um, compartment for your laptop, right? So it's like those little things to me that make it feel like the real world. Yeah, I agree. Um, and it's funny because <laughs> the, the siren thing makes made me think there was a there was a few months when I was living in Paris where they changed the sirens um, of the police cars and took like the New York ones. Yeah. And everyone was making fun of them because they were trying to be American. I don't know what the story was, but the French police had like for a few months, they had like New York-like sirens. And then they ended up having to change them because everyone was complaining because Did they were like abused. you feel like you were in like Law & Order SVU or something? Yeah, it was so bizarre. And everyone kept complaining to the point that they had to change them back. Um, but yeah, I think for me, obviously, I'm a much more like big picture kind of person um so i think i think my world building is mostly going from the general to the particular so you know my world building would start will actually start with like what i want my story to be about um so you know i'm going to be like okay i'm going to write about i don't know politics i'm going to write about like the war in iraq i'm going to write about whatever that is and then i will kind of dig into it and hit and dial it back to the specific details so i will be like okay i'm gonna write about a story about how to rebuild the wizarding world and the wizarding state after the war okay so there's the ministry what departments exist in the ministry okay um and then like who is employed by the ministry okay these people were these people working in the war yes no if there were not why did they get sacked because the war happened and there was a purge at the end and that's kind of how i build my reasoning and i end up with tiny details at the end with like oh this person was in the mm -hmm. office yesterday, you know, Harry mentioning, oh, this person was in the office yesterday and they, they got, and then they never reappeared again because they got sacked because, you know, it was discovered that they were working in the war or whatever. So it's, for me, it's very much that. It's very much like taking the big idea of what I want to write about and sort of getting more mm -hmm. and more detailed as I go. If I went straight into the details, it would bore me <laughs> because I'm not, I'm not a very detail oriented person. So yeah, I think that's, that's kind of how I, I, I work on it. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's, it, I think it's reflective of our difference in processes in general, which is that I, I like extra, I start small and then like extrapolate to like, mm. you know, so for the flu powder dispenser, like I start with the dispenser and then I extrapolate to like, what does this mean about like public versus private spaces, you know, or like what is a shared resource and what is something you are meant to provide for yourself? Whereas you would start with like, what is their economy? Like, what does the government pay for? And yeah. What are you expected <laughs> to buy for yourself? And then eventually you might work your way down to, you know, when you're in public, you have to pay for your own flu powder. You know, exactly. That's I think. Yeah, I think that's exactly the way. And I, I don't think there's like in terms of, you know, the people listening, I don't think there's a right way to go about it. I think it's 
you just have to go with the way your brain works. Like my brain works big picture to smaller things. If I had to go the other way around, I don't know. I, I think I would explode. Uh, whereas, whereas, you know, for you, it's, it's easier that way. So I think you will get to the same result. Mm -hmm. It's just, it really depends how your brain works and how you prefer to think of things. Mm -hmm. And so I guess kind of moving on from that, um, what do you find challenging in world building? What's the hardest thing for you? I think I've, I've never sat down and and written like a full sci-fi or fantasy story set in like an entirely self-created universe. And I do imagine that would be very, very challenging. But in terms of what mm-hmm. I do, I just there's some questions I have that like there's no one <laughs> there's no one to ask and like you can't just not everything can be googled. Let me just say <sighs> that. You can't just search every single thing. Some things are like ungoogleable and you don't always have a person who was personally there and can just answer yeah. the question you have. So it's those questions that are like you can't directly research the answer and you have nobody to ask. Like that's that's the stuff that's that's really hard for me. And also, I think the other thing is like knowing that I have my blind spots and like, but like, what are my blind spots? And like not knowing what they are, but knowing that they're there. You only sort of realize what your blind spots are when you read somebody else's work and you notice their blind spots and you're like, okay, so what are mine? But then you don't know what they are. You just know that they're there. Like, do you feel like you have like a certain like blind spot in your writing where you're like, yeah, I probably forget to mention this or describe it or like fill in this blank ever. I don't think it's a particular blind spot, but I think for me, because I write post-war um, and I write Harry Potter post-war, there's obviously fics to compare myself to. There's a couple of fics, a few fics right now that are being written in that space. And so a lot of times like I'll see what they're doing and I'll be like, oh, I did not address that at all. <laughs> But also I think there's stuff that they don't address and I think you can't possibly address everything. I was kind of talking about it with uh, Wynne Latter the other day Mm -hmm. who writes Beasts, which is another post-war Harry and Ginny fic. And a lot of the stuff in Beasts is about, um, I think there's two big things that she talks about for now, which is grief. She does a lot of work on grief and especially the grief of Fred and for Fred and the Weasleys and all that stuff. And she also writes a lot about diversity in the wizarding world and and it kind of reflecting our status in the muggle world but kind of like how the wizarding world treats what it considers like half beings like werewolves or goblins or whatever and those are things that I don't really talk about in castles I think grief is something that I very much gloss over because I wasn't really interested Mm -hmm. well it wasn't it just wasn't the story that I was trying to tell and same thing about the sort of diversity aspect but I do talk about other stuff like she's not talking about the economy I am talking about the economy a lot and I don't think which by the way can I just say thank god someone is doing it because it's such a missing (laughs) it's such a missing link and even as a nine-year-old okay it's not like nine-year-olds have a sophisticated understanding of the economy but even as a nine-year-old reading harry potter i was like i got some serious questions (laughs) about supply and demand in a world that has seemingly unlimited supply but anyways but yeah and so so I think like I was you know so I think we talk about different things and I don't think it necessarily means that my work is better or worse or that her work is better or worse I think we're just interested in different things and and both of them 
are very relevant. And I love, I love reading, I loved reading Beasts because, you know, she talks, she touches on, on stuff that I'm very interested in, but she does it in a way that I don't think I could do it or I don't think I would be interested in doing. I'm more, much more interested in reading about it than like writing about it. And so it, like the presence of blind spots, it kind mm-hmm. of depends what your bl- blind spots are, but I think it doesn't necessarily need to hurt your story and it's not necessarily something that you need to worry about uh that much i think it's just they're there and but there's other stuff that you're going to write about that other people aren't going to write about you know jkr was clearly not very interested in either the law or the or uh, the economy but she was very interested in the press and there's a good amount of world building there so i think you know, and I don't think it makes the story better or worse. I just think it makes it a different story from what I would write and, and from what other people would write as well. So I think ultimately I, I understand the concern about having blind spots, but I also think it, it's what makes your story yours and not someone else's, you know? So what do you think um, people are typically getting wrong in world building, either getting wrong or just neglecting to do entirely? I think a lot of people build a lot of detail in their head and then they feel compelled to put all of that detail on the page. And I, we kind of talked about it in the research episode as well, where you were mentioning that you don't take notes when you do research, because if you do take notes, then you feel compelled to put everything that is in your research in the, in the story. And I think it's a bit the same for world building. A lot of people get really sucked into their own world and their own world building and they feel the need to say everything because they've done all that work and they want to show it. And I think Whilst detail is helpful, it can also hurt your pacing and the rest of your story. And typically the reader doesn't actually need to know everything that you know. And so, yeah, I think, I think for me, that's one of the things that I see the most of. And I definitely felt that in the most recent Castles, um, chapter where I was writing about a topic that I know way too much about, uh, which is uh, the Iraq war and the Iraq of the invasion of Iraq in the United by the United States in 2003. And because it's so an obsession of mine. And it was a bit of a game of like, I had to pull it back and be like, okay, people don't need that much detail. Like people don't need to know all this stuff. And so, yeah, I think, I think that's something that you kind of need to be mindful of. But what about you? Yeah. And if we, and if we had a Patreon, there'd be a special episode episode where you get to explain Iraq to me, like, <laughs> explain, explain Vietnam to you and uh, nobody listens to that one. But uh, yeah, please let I, us I know think, if you want a Patreon episode of that. Yeah, that's, I don't know. It might have to be that we actually pay them to listen. It might actually have to be a reverse Patreon. Um, yes. But uh, yeah, yeah, I definitely agree that people do not need to hear about every single thing that you came up with in your backstory. I would also add that if it matters to you, there is there are ways to build in information that doesn't involve exposition. Exposition can be done really poorly, and I think we all know that. But if you need, yeah. if something's like really fascinating to you, why is it not part of your plot, right? If you need people to know it, that means it's interesting. So then why is it, why does it not involve a character yeah. who needs to do something or wants something and then does a bunch of stuff and encounters problems on the way to achieving the thing? But yeah, definitely don't like explain stuff in like 10 walls of paragraphs that explain like, this is something that I think even Tolkien did. Like, don't, don't, don't do too much exposition, please. 
And so what do you find inspiring in world building? Like what are the things that you like to focus on and and what are the things that you ignore? <laughs> well, I like it when people get stuff right about like women. So what I mean <laughs> by that is like <laughs> No, I I know I just mean like for example I don't like it in stories when like a woman is like pregnant and then she is like in the middle of doing, you know, shopping at the market, screams, her water breaks, she pushes three times and then there's a baby. And then because <laughs> babies are considered not interesting, the baby disappears from the storyline for a season or for 10 chapters and then reappears as an 18 year old with a sword. You know? <laughs> I really, really hate that because it's like for it's like, OK, so number one, you know nothing about pregnancy or childbirth. Number two. You think babies and children are entirely uninteresting, which means you also find, like, caregiving work uninteresting, and you're also, like, writing off a huge piece of the population. So I, I like it when, like, for example, within the world building, like, the question is answered, like, what do women do when they're on their period? Like, how does how is that handled? Or, like, what rituals surround, like, birth or, or, or child rearing? Or, for example, you know, in this world, what are the different, like, routines or rituals that women do as compared to men? Because, like, there are societies in the real world where there are, like, separate languages for men and women. And, like, women literally can't speak the men language and men can't speak the women language. There are so many, like, practices and rituals and special buildings and whatever around women and reproduction and, and, and coming of age. but like a lot of people just like have this attitude of like babies are boring we don't need them in the plot and that's that's the only way they see it so yeah and but i mean it's not just about women it's about the physical body like when i read a story i do want to know like how do they go to the bathroom or like you know what what do they do how do they refrigerate their food you know how is their food staying cold or like wh what do they what happens around death what what do they do when somebody dies who takes care of the old people? Like, I kind of want to know the answers to these questions that relate to the body. You know, what diseases do they have? How do they treat disease? What's their model in their mind of how a disease works? Because like, we know that prior to the germ theory of disease, there were a lot of theories going around about like what illness was and what caused it. And while those theories we now know to be wrong, they did govern the way that people treated like quarantine or, or, you know, treatment. So I, I guess I like to see those questions answered. That's that's very interesting because that's not really. I think again, it reflects like your love of detail and my like. Those are details that I don't really like. I, I will appreciate if they're there, but it's not something that will pop into my head. What pops into my head is like, why? <laughs> you know, I'm reading Harry Potter and I'm like, why does your justice system does not make sense? Like, you know, so, so I guess, you know, we all have our own interests and that's kind of coming back to the point that we were making earlier of, we all have our own interests. And I think there's no way that, I think that's also something you need to accept, like just generally, but there's no way that you're going to cater to everybody. And there's no way that you're going to interest and, and keep everybody interested. And certain people will vibe more with certain things that you're exploring that someone else might not be exploring. And, and some people will like somebody else's work better because those themes are vibes that they like. And I think, um, 
you know, you just have to need, you just have to be aware of that and, mm-hmm. and, and accept it because I think you, you're not going to become a different person. You're not going to, you, you can do the bare minimum. I think you can do the bare minimum and everything, but the things that you really do explore are going to be the things that interest you. And I think that's okay. I don't think you need to particularly try and cater to someone else because you cannot possibly please everybody. You might use a lot of detail around one thing that will just bore the mind out of someone, but will also be super interesting to someone else. For me, what inspires me in world building and what I like to see is, yeah, institutional stuff, political stuff, and stuff that I like to ignore is, you know, maybe, I don't know, like, what do I ignore? I ignore, um, I do ignore babies, I'm sorry. <laughs> In, in in castles, like, Teddy is, like, this presence that is, like, both there and never there. So I get what you mean. I think Teddy exists sort of offstage. So they'll be like, oh, I'm going to see Teddy. But then, like, you don't see Teddy. Yeah. Someone just <laughs> says they're going to. I'm sorry. I have a plot to get through, guys. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, like, if you, I mean, I, and, and this comes down to, like, the idiosyncrasies that make one person their like develop their particular writing voice because like what what I like about your stories is like I I was I was like clapping I think when you mentioned something about like people some other bank not being willing to lend the wizarding the British wizarding world money because they were like defaulting on their loans at the end of the war and I was like thank you like somebody's, <laughs> somebody's finally saying it like like because I was just the whole all the Harry Potter books I was waiting for somebody to talk about the money thing and I know you said the justice system didn't make sense but I always felt like okay but it's meant to be an unjust society it's meant to be that their justice system is unfair like it's 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 that's intentional whereas I feel like the money thing was literally just the JK Rowling like doesn't know what money is <laughs> like like has it has like a child's understanding of like money is coins that you give to the man at the store and he gives you a thing like and like it didn't go beyond that, you know. <laughs> for someone, for someone who had so much struggles with money herself, it's it's interesting that she never really, you know, picked that up. But yeah, like I think the justice system. I think the thing with the justice system is that I think we're all familiar with money. We're not all familiar with the justice system. So. To a lot of people who might not be that familiar, it kind of reads like, oh yeah, this is intentional, this is fine. To me, it reads like it's intentional, it's trying to be intentional, but it's going about it the wrong way because the amount of detail that is given is both like too much and not enough. And it's like, it's like if you want to represent a corrupt justice system, like you need to put a lot more work into it than what she did. But yeah, I think the money thing, like, yeah, so, so... To me, it's like, okay, well, they're defaulting on their loans and there's no money anymore because it's a post-war society. But I also want to point out, even just the idea that they're defaulting on their loans, like, I don't... Does J.K. Rowling know that there's such a thing as a loan? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Do you remember when Fred and and George were engaging in some, like, insane gambling thing to raise money to start their business? And I'm like... Do you guys know that you could like make a business plan and like take out a loan? Like you, don't, you actually like don't have to gamble. Like like if you have if you have a product, you have research, you can establish a demand. Like you could get a loan. Like that that. But I I honestly believe. Like we talk about how you know before she became rich, she had all this trouble with money, and 
part of that might be because like she doesn't understand how it works like even fundamentally and then (laughs) completely by accident she hit upon becoming like the only children's book author who gets to be a billionaire in the entire world and still doesn't know what money is so what went from rags to riches without ever at any point finding out like what money is or like how it works so i'm sorry it's just we all know this (laughs) i think i think this is one of my pet issues but i'm like okay does so Gringotts, right? They have gold. They hold gold. How do they, how does that gold appreciate? Because it, like Harry's money, for instance, like his parents' money, there's so much gold there, but that would have depreciated in value as the time went by, right? Because- But also like, why is there not a trust set up so that he as an 11 year old can't buy a solid gold cauldron? <laughs> why is this money not being held in trust for a child? Sorry. Well, because it would have been it would have been held by Petunia, and you know that would have been a problem for the plot. But I mean, this could have been part of the plot, like the fact that he can't access his money because actually Sirius Black is the administrator of the trust, or I I don't know something or other. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um. So okay, we just talked about the stuff that is bad. What is good? What are good uh, examples of word building that you've seen either in fic or in original fiction? Uh, I'm worried I'm good. just going to reference like the same five authors I've always referenced. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to turn this question over to you lest I cite the same five people all over again. I do actually, I did think about this. I really, really love uh, the um, world building that, so I, I'm, kind of drawn to I think world building that is very different from mine as well like reading stuff that is done by people where I knew I know I wouldn't be able to do that because I just don't have the same interests but reading it I find it very fascinating and I think uh, one of them is uh, Mary Contrer um, who writes The One Smith uh, The One Smith Apprentice and it's a fic that has a lot of like want related lore and magic around it and I just find that fascinating she's also talks about she also talks a lot about um the sort of ins and outs of like the Ollivander's shop and how you become an apprentice in that shop and all that stuff which is stuff that I wouldn't myself really focus on in my writing uh but which i really admire in other people and i think the second one that i wanted to quote is one that i've already recommended but it's called the wilderness by speech writer they did a very big sort of study of the department of mysteries and a lot of a lot of world building around Luna working there and doing research there and I thought that was very interesting. I will say that Speechwriter just generally is someone who I think does incredible at world building that I've seen I've read others fixed by them which I thought were incredible. So I would definitely recommend uh those two. Um I've seen some great world building in stories that are kind of in other fandoms. Um, I've mentioned before the story A Happier Year by Kim Bean, who is writing in the, in the Morris fandom, uh, Ian Forster. And this person is really great at understanding the 1910s, basically, and really expanding on the universe of England in the 1910s in a way that is not always relying on the kind of upstairs, downstairs stereotypes, but is really showing like a more thorough understanding of, of how life worked in that time. So that's some really great world building. And then years and years ago, I read a fic called 
Maneaters of Kumeon by Ignipes. And Ignipes is really great at writing um, the world outside of Britain. So, like, like India, Africa, even Antarctica. Like, what does magic look like in, like, a very different place? Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to read more about that, actually. Um, and so I think the last question that I wanted to for us to kind of discuss is, I think currently I'm seeing a lot of the dynamic in world building of people trying to fix things, either fixing the real world or fixing canon. Like, you know, oh, there's not a lot of diversity in the works of J.K. Rowling, so I'm going to fix this by doing some world building um and 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 fix and you know fixing it through world building and through changing the world and building oftentimes in the AU or I'm going to fix you know whatever the real world I'm going to fix this aspect and and uh, do a muggle AU but you know fix this one aspect that I don't like and I was wondering if you have any thoughts about it and 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 how people have been doing that more and and what we think about it i think that fixing there's like two different kinds of fixing right there's like your main character goes into a world that at the beginning is very dystopian it has many problems and then your character takes actions throughout the plot to go about fixing the world and that's a kind of storytelling but then there's like fixing it before the story even starts so that your character starts off in a world that is now perfect um, because you kind of fixed it for your character and to me, that's that's like wish fulfillment. Like some people write stories as a form of wish fulfillment. Like they want this location to be their safe place and their and their sort of spa that they go into to relax. Mm. And to me, that's um that's more like meditation. That's that's different from storytelling, which is when you go into a world that you know is full of problems, and then your character encounters problems. So for me, um, I don't fix things. I I make them worse. I'm like, why go into a place that's broken and fix it when you could just break it even more? I, I feel the need to fix things that don't make any sense or are simply unanswered, but I don't fix things like, like if there's racism in the story, I'm not like, well, I'm going to go in and my story is set in a world where there just isn't racism. Mine is like, no, you're, you're just, you're going to see it happen. You're going to see that it's there, you know, because it's, it's not a perfect world. And so I, I guess I just don't see, like, I think from a storytelling perspective, if something is unfair and wrong in the world, your character has to be the one to fix it, not you. I think I do agree. Um, I understand, I understand the urge. And I think, I think there's nothing wrong with doing that. If you're writing fan fiction where, you know, you're, you're trying to get to a safe space. But I would ask myself, why you're doing it and not just because you disagree with like racism or whatever but like why do you feel the need to do it and what could the story be telling the reader because I think it's not enough for me it's like it's not enough to magically fix racism and and you know write in a world where that doesn't exist I would want to show through the story what that world could be, you know, like, I think that it has to have a point, um, rather than just, oh, I don't want to bother with it. So I'm not going to deal with it. It's more like, okay, you want to write a story in which racism doesn't exist. Great. But maybe try and make a point out of it and try and show what that world would look like and, and how you see it and how that is important to you. So I think, again, we come back to a thing that 
always comes up in this podcast, which is, you know, having a point for what you're doing and not just doing it because, you know, you, you feel like it, but, but trying to articulate what you're trying to do. If you're trying to fix something, why you're doing it and how you're doing it and, and what you're trying to show. Yeah. And there, and I would say also like, there is like genres of fan fiction, which are more focused on like wish fulfillment and, mm. you know, a lot of like shippy content in that area and like stuff written, written in the second person. And, you know, there's, there's a niche for that, but it's, it's a different kind of storytelling than like problem and like resolution based storytelling. Because again, like my view is like, if there's a problem in your world, you don't fix it. The character has to fix it. They have to go out and do stuff other than relying on you, God, to fix it for them. Okay. Well, this was a very interesting discussion. Um, I think we have, we are going to wrap up. Um, so Lani, do you have any recommendations for us this week? I am recommendation free this week. <laughs> how about okay. you? I love how we're just like tired busy and like thank god we went to a monthly schedule and not by the weekly because i would have died and, um, and you know what i'm just gonna be honest sometimes i look for good news stories and i don't find any that i like and that's what happened <laughs> right now fair enough um i'm not gonna recommend the story but i did find and i will link it in the show notes i found a very interesting uh well very helpful i found tumblr post about how to tag stories on ao3 and that's something that i always struggle with like i always never know what to tag and what not to tag and how to include like in what order should i tie things and stuff and that post is short it's very concise and it's very helpful and i have retagged uh castles my long work through it and i am very happy with the results so i will link that in the show notes i could really use that um okay well lani where can we find you online i mean at copper underscore dust or hyphen dust still not sure which one it really is <laughs> on both the earth and tumblr you know you could just no. you could just check no, I this can't. no <laughs> No, because it's now it's it's now a feature. It's I think. too late. It's, it's, too it's late a now. feature of the spellcast. And I am Pebbly Send on AO3 and Tumblr. You can find the podcast if you have any feedback, suggestions for topics for next episodes uh, on Tumblr at thefanficwriterscraft.tumblr.com. Our ask box is open. And if you want to help us finance the podcast, you can head to co-v.com forward slash thefanficwriterscraft uh, to donate. And this helps us pay for hosting fees. Thank you, Lani. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.